We are on Yevamos, the bottom of Kuftes Amabez 109b. And we are continuing our discussion of the Mishnah. This entire chapter is discussing the topic of Kiddushay uh, Kitana, the marriage of a minor, of a girl who's under the age of 12, the rabbinic marriage, when uh, she's married off by her mother or by her brother after her father passes away. And this is all with her consent because it's there to help her out uh, so that she has somebody uh, to marry and that she's not left alone. Uh, but if she wants to back out of the marriage, so then she's allowed to back out, out of the marriage up to the age of 12 through a process called mian. She could say, I'm not interested anymore. She has to agree from the beginning. And essentially, she has to agree throughout. And she could say that I am, uh, I am no longer interested in this marriage up to the age of 12. So the Mishnah was discussing the following case. What happens when you have two brothers married to two sisters, and one of the sisters is is a full marriage? It's she's an adult; she's above the age of twelve. The other sister is still a katana, is a minor, and she's under the age of twelve. And so, what happens? The Mishnah discussed what happens if one of the husbands dies. In general, if two brothers marry two sisters, and they're both uh, complete uh, marriages on a biblical level, so then there's no concept of yibum. There's no yibam when it's a, a relative. It's your wife's. Besides for being your brother's wife, it's <coughs> excuse me. It's also your wife's sister, and so there's a, in general there's usually a total exemption of yibam. However, this case is very different because in this case, uh, it's not just a, two biblical marriages, but one's rabbinic and one's biblical. So what happens in those scenarios? Not only that, what also makes this complicated is that there's also the possibility of doing mian. Mian could retroactively undo the marriage. And it's viewed as though there was no marriage here at all. And then there would be an obligation. The obligation of Yibam would then come up again. Uh, so when it comes to the following case, we're just going to focus on one of the cases, is where the husband of the Gedola, uh, his wife is above the age of 12. So it's a biblical marriage. It's a complete marriage. She passes away. So now, what do you do? You have two sisters. One sister is married. Let's say Ruvain is married uh, to Rachel. Rachel is is below the age of 12, and so that's a rabbinic marriage. But now his sister-in-law, his brother's wife, who is actually also his sister-in-law as in his wife's sister, uh, Leah, is above, is above the age of 12. And so there's now a biblical requirement to do Yibam Rechalitza. So what do you do in this situation? Because it's not as simple as just saying that, well, they're related anyways because it's the wife's sister because it's only his wife on a rabbinic level. He's only married to Rachel. Rachel is below the age of 12 on a rabbinic level. So that, to that, we had three different ways of how to understand that. So one opinion says, well, we should have the wife who is under the age of 12 do mian. If she does mian, so then she undoes the marriage retroactively. And now Ruvain, the husband, it's like he's never, never been married to Rachel. He can now do Yibam with Leah. Uh, that was one option. Rabbi Gamliel gave a different option. He said, okay, it's true. If you do mian, you do mian. Alternatively, he says, and this is where our Gemara is going to pick up from this case, uh, wait until Rachel becomes above the age of 12. Once she becomes above the age of 12, so then she's now fully married. Now that she's fully married, so then there should be a total exemption from Yibam or Chalitza to Leah because now they're both on a biblical level once she reaches the age of 12. So he basically says, hold off and wait till she's above the age of 12. There is a third opinion in the Mishnah, which we're not going to discuss now. We've discussed it in the past of Rabbi Yeshua, 
but that's the opinion of Rabbi Gamliel. Basically, wait until she gets older. Rachel, the wife, on a rabbinic level, she get older until she's above the age of 12. Once she's above the age of 12, so then it is a biblical marriage. So the Gemara is going to pick up on that and discuss a fascinating discussion. So how exactly does this work? She's below the age of 12. It's a rabbinic marriage. And then it's a, she, it, we, it, she turns 12. So is it, does it automatically switch to becoming uh, a gedola? Is for her to becoming uh, an adult and married as, on a biblical level? Does that just happen automatically without doing anything? Or does it require doing a, a new marriage, essentially, by having bia, by having sexual relations again after she's 12? Uh, does that is maybe that's what creates the marriage? Maybe you need to actively do something, a form of marriage, i.e., sexual relations. That's what makes them now fully married on a biblical level. Or do we say that it just happens automatically, just through the passage of time alone, that she just turns twelve and automatically she becomes married on a biblical level? Which one is it? Does, does it happen automatically or no? They have to have sexual relations. So that is the opening question of the Gemara. Rabbi asks Rav, My time in what's this idea that once uh, she becomes above the age of 12, so now they're fully married, and now there's an exemption from Yubim Rechalitza to her sister, to Leah. What's the reason? Does just happen automatically? She turns 12, and once she turns 12, the marriage turns from a rabbinic marriage to a biblical marriage. Or do we say No. It's that no, in order for it to be viewed as a biblical marriage, they have to have sexual relations. And if they don't, so then there's, it's maintained, it's still a rabbinic marriage. So Amar Le, Rav says back, This is the idea of Rabbi Rav says they have to do something. They really do have to do something. They have to have some sort of they have to have sexual relations in order to change this and turn this into a biblical marriage. So comes along Rav Sheshis, Amr Rav Sheshis, Amina Kinai Bishacha Rav Amr Lahashmaisa. Rav Sheshis says, very strong statement here, Rav must have been sleeping when he said this statement, that they had to have, have, to have sexual relations. Meaning Rav Sheshis disagrees with uh, with what Rav said, and, and according to some of the commentators, he's not, it's not an insult to Rav, it's saying how great Rav is to the point where it must be that if he's making this mistake, it's because he was really falling asleep. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't make such a mistake. So Rav Sheshis is essentially saying he must have made a mistake here because he was dozing off. How? how why Why does Rav Sheshis say this? Because Ditanya was taught in a Brisa, not like Rav, seemingly. It says that if you marry a Katana, the marriage, the complete marriage, is hanging. My Doesn't it sound like that language sounds like just it's hanging with time and just automatically once she turns 12, uh, even if she didn't, they didn't do anything together, they didn't have sexual relations, it becomes a biblical marriage. It sounds like it's hanging and just time is necessary. So I'm says, no, when it says that it's hanging, it means hanging and you have to do something about it. Once she turns 12, they have to have sexual relations in order to turn this into a biblical marriage. It can't just happen automatically on its own. It's not how it works. You have to actively do something. And so that's, uh, that seems to be the conclusion of the Gemara for Rav, that Rav is of the opinion that it just doesn't happen magically, that it turns from a rabbinic marriage into a biblical marriage. Uh, 
as it was suggested, that was that was definitely an option. That uh, just once she becomes uh, above the age of twelve, it turns into a biblical marriage. But no, Rav says they have to actively do something, something that uh, is a form of mar- of a new marriage itself, and that is by having uh, bia. That is by having sexual relations. Okay, says continues the Gemara, and they're going to question whether or not Rav actually said this. So the Gemara says. Is this really true? Is it really true that Rav said that they have to have sexual relations? But we have the following statement coming from Rav. Rav Amar in get me sheni, Vishmal Amar get me sheni. My love de We have the following statement where we have this case where we have a minor who has a rabbinic marriage. They got married, not by their father, but by their mother or their brother, and then they get older, they reach above the age of 12, and what happens? Somebody else comes in and marries her. Rav says, that second person who comes in and marries her, it, it doesn't, it's not recognized as a marriage. They don't even require a divorce document. It's nothing. It's like anybody going ahead and marrying somebody who's already married. It's meaningless. This girl is already married. Shmuel says, no, you do need to give a, a, a divorce document. You need to give a get. Uh, because we do recognize it, at least we're concerned that they're married. So doesn't the Gemara says, aren't we discussing here a case where she becomes a, an adult, she becomes above the age of 12, and they have not yet had sexual relations? Uh, meaning her and her husband never had sexual relations once he, she turned above the age of 12. So then we have this dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says that even though they didn't have sexual relations, she's completely married to her first husband. Even if somebody else were to come and try to attempt to marry her, it wouldn't be recognized because she's completely married to her first husband. And are we discussing a case where they never had sexual relations? Where says, load the ball. No, they did have sexual relations. And when they had sexual relations, Rob's of the opinion that since they had sexual relations, they had Bia. So now they're completely married. Somebody else wants to come in and try to attempt to marry her. It's meaningless. It's like trying to marry any married woman. It's, it's, it's not recognized in Jewish law. She's already married. She can't get married to somebody else. But Shmuel says no. The Gemara wants to know, well, if they already have sexual relations, what's the opinion of Shmuel? Shmuel says that even though they had sexual relations, he's even more stringent. He says even having sexual relations alone is not going to help. We're concerned that when they're having sexual relations, it's not with the awareness and with the intent to sort of get remarried on a biblical level. It's not their intent to now have this as a new marriage on a biblical level. Their intent when they're having sexual relations is that it's a continuation of their marriage until now. What was their marriage until now? It was on a rabbinic level. And so Shmuel says we're concerned that they didn't have the proper intent. If they had the proper intent that, you know, this is going to be for the purpose of a new marriage on a biblical level, that's one thing. But who said that that's what they had in mind? Shmuel's of the opinion that if they're having sexual relations again, it's really just... For them, from their perspective, just a continuation of what's been going on until now. What's been going on until now was a rabbinic marriage. If they're only married on a rabbinic level, and somebody else comes in and marries her, so we're concerned because that's a biblical marriage, uh, and and the fact that they're only married on a rabbinic level is not going to help. And so, therefore, Shmuel's of the opinion that you do require a divorce from the second guy because the first the first mar- people uh, they were only married on a rabbinic level, and so that's the dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says that no. Uh, if they're having sexual relations after she's above, after she turns twelve, so then it's clear that this is for the sake of a new marriage. We don't assume that they're only having intent for 
whatever whatever has been going on until now, it's a new marriage, and now they're married on a biblical level. Shmuel, Shmuel argues and says that no, uh, maybe their their whole mindset is just it's a continuation of whatever whatever has been going on until now, and so therefore it's a continuation of their rabbinic marriage. Um, and that's the opinion of Shmuel. So that's an important dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Uh, what exactly is required? Is it just having sexual relations and we assume that it's for a new marriage? Shmuel says, no, you need to have explicit intent that this is for a new marriage. Otherwise, we just assume that it's a continuation of what has been going on until now while she was a minor. So the Gemara now <coughs> will now focus on that dispute between Rav and Shmuel. And we'll say that, well, why is it mentioned here? We already discussed this same dispute elsewhere with regards to different ramification, a different case, but it, it, the the root of their argument is the same. What's that case? But they argued about this already. Why are you going to tell me that Rav and Shmuel are having an argument now about this? They already had an argument about this, about whether we view the sexual relations as just a continuation of what's been going on until now, or is it something new? They already argued about this. What's the case? This is the case. The case is that they became engaged, right? A halachic engagement is where um, they give the ring or, or a marriage document, uh, and it's a, it's a halachic engagement, um, and they don't get married, fully married. They don't live with each other under the same roof until they're fully married. But when they did the condition, when they did the engagement, they did it on a condition, that uh, on some sort of condition, um, whatever the condition is, a condition that she doesn't have any blemishes, or whatever the condition is. And then they get married. They get married and they have sexual relations. So Rav says, that Rav says that it's recognized as a marriage, even though the condition wasn't necessarily fulfilled. But the fact that they're now getting married and having sexual relations, let's say, according to Rav, there's different ways of, of explaining this, but let's say, according to Rav, it's like he's foregoing the condition. He made a condition on the engagement. We don't know whether that condition was fulfilled or not. And then they get married and have sexual relations. Rav says, well, the fact that they're having sexual relations reveals to us that he doesn't care about what he said originally. This is now a new marriage. Shmuel argues and says, no. Shmuel says, in its you don't need to require a divorce document. Why? Because even though they're having sexual relations, they still have in mind that, well, whatever happened, whatever conditions existed at the time of the engagement continues to exist. And so, since the conditions weren't met, they're not married. The fact that they have sexual relations doesn't make a difference. So, and what's the, what are they arguing about? Once they get married, fully married, they live under the same roof. So he's being mochel. He's, he's forgoing the different conditions that he made originally on the initial engagement. Shmuel argues. Shmuel says no. Um, since uh, the same opinion that he said earlier, since they're having sexual relations again, that doesn't mean that it's, it's now... Anything changed. It's just based on what the original agreement was. The original agreement was that it was on a condition. So it maintains, it continues to be a, that they're married on a condition. If the condition's not met, uh, so then they're not married either. So here too, we have the same dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Again, the same dispute that happens twice. One is with regards to a case where they, get, they were engaged on a certain condition, then they got married and lived under the same roof, had sexual relations. Rav says, that it's recognized as marriage, the conditions don't need to be met. 
because this new act of sexual relations changes everything. Shmuel says, no, it's all based on what happened originally, what uh, the agreement was originally. That's one case. The second case is with regards to this katana, this minor who becomes an adult. And once she becomes an adult, uh, somebody else tries to marry her after they have sexual relations. So Rav says, once they have sexual relations, they're fully married. Shmuel says, no. Once they're having sexual relations, even if it's above the age of 12, it's all based on the original marriage, which is only rabbinic. So it seems to be the same dispute. Why do you need it twice? So the Gemara says, you do need it twice. Why? It's no, maybe Rav only said his statement if we only had one of the two, i.e. the case of the engagement, which is on the condition. So when they have sexual relations again, you could always say that that is really a form of undoing the conditions, as saying that you don't care about the conditions. Look, they're getting married. They're going through with this, even though we don't know whether the conditions were met or not. We see that they're going through with this. Must be that he's being mochel. He's forgoing the fact that the conditions have to be met. Uh, but if it wasn't for that, if it was, let's say, the first case, which is a case of a katana, a minor who becomes an adult, and then they have sexual relations, maybe he agrees to Shmuel and says, well, in that case, you can't prove to me that this is a, a, trying to do a, a new act of, of a marriage uh, on a biblical level. No, there's no reason to assume that. Maybe he would agree to Shmuel. Uh, but in, in the second case, it's about being forgoing the condition. So it's a totally different case. Uh, alternatively, if we only had the first case, one could have said that Shmuel only says his statement there to say that they they once she becomes an adult and she's above the age of 12, still any sexual relations she has, we get, would assume it's just a continuation of their original marriage. But when it comes to... Um, uh, an engagement design in certain conditions, maybe he would agree, maybe, obviously disagrees, but one could have thought that he would agree to say that, um, uh, to say that uh, he, he's forgoing on the, on the conditions. One could have made such a distinction. Okay, so that answers <coughs> that particular question. The Gemara continues and asks again, did Rav really say this, that it depends on whether they had sexual relations or not? That if they have sexual relations, she becomes an adult, she becomes above the age of 12, and she has sexual relations, that's when she becomes biblically married. Until then, she's not, even if she's above the age of 12. We basically have a case. It was a story where we have a, a girl who's under the age of 12, a minor. She's married on a rabbinic level. She then becomes an adult above the age of 12. Not only does she become an adult, she's also under the canopy with her original husband. And then somebody else comes and uh, sort of marries her right away. Uh, he tries attempts to get married to her. So the students of Rav said, in that case, it's not recognized as a marriage. They don't, the second guy is not recognized as a marriage. We don't view it as though they're married. It's like he's trying to marry somebody who's already married. She's already married. It's not recognized as a marriage to the second guy. Uh, so isn't that a case where they never had sexual relations after she turned 12? They're, they're, they're first under the chuppah. They're under the chuppah. They're under the canopy. They never had sexual relations uh, yet. So the Gemara says no. Two answers. Amr Papa Benarish Mintzav Nisivi Vahadr Mosvei No, they did have sexual relations after she was 12 and only afterwards did they that was the custom. Only afterwards did they uh, go under the canopy for 
the ceremony itself. But they really did have sexual relations after she turned she turned 12. And so therefore you can't bring a proof to there. That's a case where it's after sexual relations. So it makes sense that Rav would say that if some other person attempts to marry her while she's under the chuppah, it wouldn't work because they already had sexual relations after the age of 12 and then it turns into a biblical marriage. That's one answer. A second answer of Ashi Amar, very interesting answer. Since the second guy, he attempted really, they never had sexual relations after she turned 12 because she's under the canopy, she's under the chuppah now to get married right now on a biblical level. They're married on a rabbinic level until now. Now it's going to turn into a, a, a biblical marriage once uh, they go into the chuppah and they have sexual relations. But until then, it's a rabbinic marriage. Somebody else comes and tries to marry her on a biblical level. Maybe that would work. But the fact that he's doing something wrong and the act itself, he's stealing her away. She's married to somebody on a rabbinic level and he's sort of stealing her away under the under the chuppah. You can imagine such a thing. She's under the chuppah getting married to the first guy to make it into a biblical marriage and somebody else from the crowd goes ahead and tries to marry her right then and there. It's Shiloh Hogan. It's a chutzpah. It's, it's improper. It's incorrect to do. And so the rabbi said, since he did something which was improper, we are going to take away his marriage. Even though on a biblical level it should be viewed as a marriage, we will now take it away. We will take undo the marriage retroactively and we will undo the marriage. Um, and we're going we're gonna to flip it. So the Amalei Ravina Ravashi, Tina Mai, I understand if you get married, if, they got, if, he, if he got married to her by giving her a ring, the second person gave her a ring, we could say, the rabbis have the right to say, the ring never belonged to him. That all money, the rabbis have the right to decide who it belongs to. And we could say it never belonged to him, and so he never gave her anything that was his. And that's the mechanism we could use to undo the marriage. But let's say they got married, not through money. There's three ways to get married. Money, one is money. A second is with a document. And the third is by having sexual relations. So what are you going to do with that? How are they going to change the sexual relations? Tina, my answer is Shavira Bilas No, the rabbis have the right to say that this act of sexual relations was not for the purpose of a marriage, but it was just it was just regular, just a person having sexual relations outside the context of marriage, something we refer to as nus. And so the rabbis have the right to do this, especially since uh, in the when when a person gets married, they say that it should be Kedas Moshe Yisrael, that the rabbis should agree to this. The rabbis never agreed to this. What this person does did was terrible. And so they could undo the marriage by saying that, you know what, whatever act of marriage they did, if it was through money, we'll say that it wasn't his money. We have the right to say that it's not his money. We take away his money. If it was through having sexual relations, we'll say that it wasn't sexual relations within the context of a marriage. They have the right to do that. Now, why can't they do that all the time? We know that there's a, a big concept of agunas in the world, of, of men who... Uh, or men who refuse to give a get, a divorce document to their wife. So why don't we say that we're going to retroactively uproot the marriage and say they were never married to begin with? So that's a very important question, but we, the commentators point out that we don't say such a thing. We only apply it here where the actual act of marriage, when the second person is trying to steal away uh, this woman from her from her husband under the under the chuppah, it's such a terrible thing to do. So then, at and it's happening at the act itself of the marriage, we could say that act of marriage was not an act of marriage. But if they've been married and ready for some period of time, we don't have the ability to retroactively go back and say that that original marriage was not recognized as a marriage. Uh, but uh, it could apply in this case. The Gemara just concludes and says, In the end of the day, going back to our Mishnah, again our Mishnah, which we started off with, was this unique case where you have two brothers married to two sisters. The sisters, one is 
a minor, the other one is an adult, and uh, the husband of the adult woman passes away. And so they, what, what should they do? So the Gemara says, we, we hold like Rebbe Lazar. What does Rebbe Lazar say? Rebbe Lazar says that since the brother who's alive is married on a rabbinic level to the girl who's under the age of 12, we convince the girl who's under the age of 12 to do miyun, to uproot the marriage retroactively, so that now it's, uh, they're no longer sisters, they're no longer, she's no longer Rachel, is no longer married. And so now the, the husband could then go ahead and do yibam with the adult, with, uh, with Leah. Okay, that concludes, uh, that was just one last point in the Gemara, and that concludes the Gemara, and we will continue in the next recording with a Mishnah in the middle of Kuf Yud Amaralf, 110a.